everybody, welcome back to Contest Prep University. We are in another frat house edition. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Adam Atkinson. We are joined with some amazing special guests, Chet and Natalie Nichols, owners of USA Physique. And one of the reasons we wanted to have Chet and Natalie on, uh, Chet as well as Adam have both often referred back to a, a writing project, I'll call it, about 20 years ago I did, where I created the phases of contest prep. So just a tiny little bit of context on that, because I know some of you will know about it, some of you will, will not. Probably 15 to 20 years ago, I, I saw a need as the contest prep industry was just getting underway to create some definitions, help people understand what's really important, what's not, and just kind of unify some theories around what people's experiences were. And as a coach myself, who was bringing flexible dieting into the mix and also in a very contrarian way, starting to uh, counter some of the, the old school peaking methods, it was easier to put it against a backdrop of this is what you should expect. This is why you need to do things this way. And, and I kind of reverse engineered it because the peaking process to me had to be, of course, predicated on being lean enough. And then I also had some experience with clients who were lean early, almost, you know, as people back then would say too early, you, you peaked too soon. But the fact that you could increase calories and start increasing insulin sensitivity again, make people fuller, create an anabolic spiral upward where they're eating more food, but they're still getting leaner. They're getting better workouts they're getting better recovery, gaining some of that fullness and possibly even lean body mass back. Um, it, it, it was really an amazing thing to see. And I thought, well, what if, what if this was actually a planned thing, like an actual phase that people could go through? So I started doing that and came up with these five phases the, the, in pre-contest dieting. And we'll, we'll probably get into some of those. But then a few months ago, Chet said, hey, you know, it'd be great. Like, I sure wish you had something for the actual off-season. And the reason why I did that in the pre-contest was almost as a measurement tool. You know, we need to be here by this time. If we've got four months or five months or six months, here's, here's the pace we need to be on. And that was very, very helpful. And I certainly agreed with Chet. We see a lot of people just, just dive into the off-season without a lot of structure. And there are some things to control uh, your potential anabolic rate or rate of anabolism, making sure your body fat is staying where you want it to be. So, so we tackled this together. We ended up releasing it as a, as a big ebook. And so here we are. We want to talk about it a little bit. And, and just going right to you, Chet and Natalie, um, once we started defining these phases for the offseason, what's, what's maybe the one phase or, or the overall concept that stuck out to you the most? I said, yes, this is what we needed. Um, you want to go with that one? Well, as far as competitors go, it's milestones. It's that offseason just thought process is flying blind, lifting all the weights and eating all the food until it's time to find the contest to sign up. And there's no focus on what we're going to hit, what we're actually trying to accomplish and how in the hell do we do it during off season? It's just like a big abstract to them. So it's really hard to stay committed to it and, and stay on track while you're on in the off season and you're working toward your physique, uh, that you want to put on the stage next time rather than just taking some time off and getting some food mm -hmm. that, that tended to be where the focus was for a lot of off-season competitors and they may or may not even do one 
you know, one of the things we talked about uh, that really, like I said, I think needed this and it stands out in here for a lot of people is you have those goals now along the way. Because, the, yeah, the goal from, you know, start of uh, off season was to get ready for prep. I mean, that was it. Right. So you break you break these little, you know, I guess you can say more like milestones along the way to achieve the ultimate goal is really good for the mind. For one thing, because, I mean, as you know, shorter term goals can give you some really good results because you're going to adhere to them a little bit better. But you got a goal at six months, nine months, 10 months down the road. Yeah, I can kind of slack off for the first couple of months and then I'll, I'll catch up or maybe this week or maybe the next week. It kind of takes that away and puts it more structure. Now, the one thing that you did in here that we did not do, because a lot of the stuff that we did, because we followed you for so long, very similar, right? Mm -hmm. But you start off with strength training coming right out of prep. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, you know, since we've talked about this and stuff, I, we do too now. I love it. But the first thing I want to ask you specifically, because we get this question a lot, and let's let the uh, the wizard tell us why go from you know from your contest prep mostly hypertrophy straight into strength training. Mm -hmm. That's what. Uh, so so in the five phases of off season planning versus five phases of prep, they, they both start with a transition phase, and so we're assuming that somebody has had a unique experience. So. They may have gone through a metabolic building phase still in prep and calories may be already there. They're, they're already at off-season levels of calories. So their transition phase in the off-season may be very short. You know, they feel recovered. There's there's not that delay in, in just the, the latency and even hormonal health and so forth. So with a, a pretty short break, you know, you, you can definitely in that transition phase, you know, just kind of deload for a couple of weeks, recover, get some sleep. But then you're going to get right into that anabolic surge phase, which is, you know, now we're going to be pushing upward with calories, even if it's pretty moderate. So an example, I have two clients right now overseas who are pros and just phenomenal. You know, they, they know what they're doing, but they thought, man, if we, if we could just prep with Joe one time in our careers, like, wouldn't that be great? We want to really hit a lifetime best. And, and so I, they, they had almost done kind of a mini little cut, you know, they were, they were kind of lean and they were, they, they wanted to start there. So we had a true off season. And so I said, okay, let's, let's plan on gaining about 10, eight to 10 pounds just really slowly. And since we're going to be in that anabolic surging phase, that's when you can start stacking some weight on your body. That's when you're going to have the most adaptive response positivity. And I'll tell you, because I also, when I'm doing strength training, I reduce frequency. Because if you're doing absolute, uh, just all out deadlifts, squats, presses, you need more recovery time. You can't train muscle groups two and three times a week and train six days a week. So they argued with me. They, they, they thought, you know, there's just no way I can train this few times a week. And we finally got through that and they trusted me. And now they're in their third, fourth week and like, holy shit, like, wow, do I feel good? Wow. I'm just, I can't believe how much stronger I'm getting because you're matching the calories with that strength, but then we'll get into those later phases. And, you know, you can't just keep going up, up, up and, you know, gain 60 pounds in the off season. There has to be some way of leveling off. So, so Adam, I'll, I'll let you answer that question as well. When you are working with clients through a transition from pre-contest or contest season into off season, like how do you like to program training and match calories? 
Yeah, so we usually start with blood work and just kind of see how suppressed somebody is. Um, and then we go from there. Somebody may need, like you said, a very long transition phase, um, especially when I get people from other coaches who have maybe been doing like three hours of cardio a day. There was usually some kind of problem that needed to be fixed before they did that prep in the first place. So we need to identify what that is. And that can kind of determine they could be a really relaxed state for a long time because we're just maybe trying to get menstruation back. But I personally, I like to have people, once they get some meat back on their bones, as I like to say, I might have them do some strength tests for me, whether that be a squat, deadlift, bench press. Uh, we may even test like a hip thrust for women. And uh, then we just want to see if they're improving over time. Uh, I might do something more percentage-based, so then we're guiding them with um, strength. Some people are more elite trainers, and they're just not going to need that extra push. So it really depends on the person, on the dynamics of how I program for them. But you're completely right. You just you can't go out of a prep and be training six to seven days a week. Like, I mean, a lot of people used to do that no matter what phase you were in. But uh, I think nowadays we're really understanding that uh, less can be absolutely more. And uh, it, it really does depend on the person. You know, if they're perimenopause or menopausal, they're going to have a, a lower threshold for systemic stress. So they're going to need less like all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I will say, too, and I'm going to pitch this back to, to you, Chet and Natalie, um, it, it does depend on the context of that person, maybe even in their career. So the best off season I ever had, I had, you know, just been, I just competed and I knew I, I wanted to have this good off season and, you know, I had no injuries. Everything was great. And in a, about a four month phase, I intentionally gained half a pound a week. And so it was very measured. I was tracking macros to be that clear, that defined and I, I moved my squat from 405 to 500 pounds in four months. And so I had climbed, you know, if you, if you, yeah. if you kind of do the math, yeah. And it was, you know, I was ready. I was primed for this. I was in my, my early to mid thirties, you know, already had 20 years of training under my belt. And I just, I just felt like I had this in me. And I, and I, I really, one of the biggest things I did was reduce my training. You know, I only squatted once every two weeks. I was doing another leg workout in between. But on those strength days, you know, I was really planning my incremental growth. I don't think had I just been on a linear amount of calories for maintenance, I could have done that. It was because I was starting in that deficit a little bit from the contest. So I, I have a tailwind and my body is absorbing, you know, that, that food and, and doing really well again, staying injury free. And since we're talking about off season phases and so forth, I'll, I'll throw this in the mix there's a, there's another big conversation. I mean, this, this is never ending between the variables of frequency and load and, you know, duration and so forth. And I'm finding some people like Mike Isratel, Brett Contreras, maybe even Greg Knuckles who are starting to come around a little bit. You know, there's kind of the high frequency people, which I would say more like a Schoenfeld and a Helms. And it's like, yeah, in Zordos, like, yeah, I mean, you should be okay only doing 40, 50, 60% of your one rep max and call that a workout. And I'm of the mindset, like that's, that's a warm up. That's not a workout. If you're, I mean, I, you know, I mean, you really like, I don't, I don't even feel that. 
So they're starting to say, well, yeah, somebody who has that kind of training experience, if, if you're that deep into your career, maybe you do need more stimulation, which then requires a longer recovery period. And so, you know, you're going from newbies who are just getting started to people who are never going to gain necessarily new lean body mass, but you're still trying to eke out every ounce of gain you can. So there's a pretty wide spectrum. So these phases that we're talking about, you know, they are going to look different from person to person. Yes. So with your experience, Chet, and I know you guys love to dig into every detail with your clients. I mean, you're training, programming, you're training with them. You're, I, mean, I, I see you guys as just really heavily involved coaches. You know, maybe, maybe talk about some of the different stories you have where you've seen really good success because you had these defined phases. I just want to add something about everything that you've all been talking about. And it's the fact that it's so individualized mm -hmm. and that it really does depend on you, where you've been, where you're going, what you've experienced during your life and your training career. And this is all just a, a reason why you need a set of eyes that is looking at you specifically. How are you responding? How have you responded in the past? What have you tried? What have you not tried? all of those things, it's just so important to have something that is geared towards you and not just towards the masses, because that doesn't get you your best results. Like you're talking about with your clients overseas, you've got to have it dialed into the person. Just a, a little quick, hey guys, you need somebody looking at you. Hmm. Yeah. You, okay. After that, you're going to have to restate the question because yeah. I'm, like, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that was a good answer. Kind of blew well, now, now, now that we have created these these off-season phases, Chet, have, have you seen, like, like with that squat run I had when I just had that, you know, that, and I did the same thing about 10 years later with deadlift when I wanted to get my deadlift up to peak. So I was in my early 40s and I thought, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to make my big run at this. And so you start matching those calories. And, you know, I, a lot of people in the off-season, they almost eat instantly, like they gain 15, 20, 30 pounds in a week or two. And now they are stuck at maintenance okay. levels of calories. Yes. So, so have you seen the value of saying, let's, let's just release the beast a little bit more slowly and take advantage of that, that metabolic increase over time, anabolic increase? Lord. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there is a big distinction between, you know, the, the clients who, again, I'm going to refer back to coming up prep. You have a short-term goal now versus a long one. So it kind of helps people, you know, stay on the path or whatever. And those people right from the bat, they kind of struggle a little bit with hunger and stuff like that, but that usually lasts a couple of weeks and it kind of subsides. I mean, it's, it's clear. The ones who can continue to focus like that, strength continues to go up. And then, you know, with the way we do things, we have our app and they get PRs and stuff. They're posting these things all over the place. You know, left and right, it's like some of them have competitions now who can have the most PRs and whatnot. So it changes the focus to strength and, and it takes away an emphasis so much on how I look. That's big, especially for women. Strength emphasis instead of how I look big. And then, you know, if they continue to, to stay on that path, by the time we get into the anabolic you know, surge phase and the metabolic pulsing phase, those people now are the ones who you know, they're still gaining nicely because body fat hasn't jumped up so much. We're still continuing to increase. And a lot of them get to the point where you kind of discussed how weight can kind of come down naturally in the metabolic uh, uh, pulsing phase. 
most of those people are the ones who stayed the course from, you know, phase one to phase two, Mm -hmm. the ones who gained weight too fast, they're stuck in that, the, the third phase the the pulsing phase. And it's a very, very slow process because like you, you said in the book, you're going to have to kind of take it slow there because you probably don't want to gain more weight, which means food increases are slower. So when performance stops to drop, you know, we like to give them a little more food. There's going to be a discussion there. Hey, we got to get some more food in you. You may gain some weight, but you got to kind of weigh the benefits and the, the pros and cons versus gaining weight in gym performance. And that's a struggle. So it all revolves around the people who start staying on path, you know, recognizing those short-term goals, doing it slow, excel far and far above beyond the ones who gain weight really fast. And they're going to be in a better position when prep starts, you know, the next time. And you mentioned something earlier that I absolutely love because you said a lot, you're kind of reverse engineering things, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have an idea of where we want to be at the beginning of prep and reverse engineering the process to get you there. The ones who gain too fast, now we're having to kind of deviate from the path and, and all kinds of things to kind of bring them back into the mix. The ones who stay on it, they can pretty much follow the path the whole way. And that is big for a lot of people. And another thing we have to consider, and Adam, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about this is is the length of the off season. How long do you have to implement these? Because you just brought up the metabolic pulsing phase. And once you've gone through that anabolic surge where it's like, okay, I've, this was my plan. I allowed myself to gain this much weight and I'm experiencing this kind of training. You know, it's all great. Uh, A lot of people don't recognize how valuable just that time out of the contest prep season is like, you don't always constantly have to be, you know, gain, 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 gain on the scale, just, you know, week after week, workout after workout of training in maintenance calories has some value. And so the metabolic pulsing phase is to say, okay, let's, let's, you know, let's stop that gain train, so to speak on the scale. And a lot of people make the mistake here of, okay, well, let's do a a mini cut. Let's, let's, Mm -hmm. let's go into a calorie deficit. And to me, it's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? This is off season. Like, why do you want to be dieting? Why do you want to get back into metabolic adaptation? It's like, if you just stay patient and stay here, as you said, Chet, your, your body fat may even start to come back down because your metabolism is, is creating this upward pressure. And then we can get into those next things. But I'd like to bring in you, Adam, and say like, when, when you're looking at a six, eight, 12 month off season, do you ever find the need to you know, pull people back in terms of saying, no, you can't diet. We're not going to do any kind of a calorie deficit, but we're going to do something else. Or are there times when you do have to pull somebody into a calorie deficit, even when they should be in the off season? Yeah. I mean, gaining weight's not necessarily the healthiest thing to do. So, you know, if you start seeing high blood sugar, you know, that's something you should look into and not just let people, you know, ride that wave out really high. Um, cholesterol is kind of dicey depending on the health and the background of the person, you know, you're going to have higher circulating levels of cholesterol when you, you know, are in an off season, but it's really kind of comes down to the particle size and are there, you know, any kind of a buildup in the arteries that you want to look at. And that more so is going to be your men that you really look into that, not to say, with women, it's not important, but usually there's a lot more use with uh, the males on the elite level. 
So you really need to look into those things and cholesterol and insulin sensitivity definitely go hand in hand for heart disease. So you really want to look into those things. Um, women do this all the time where they just are begging for a cut throughout the whole off season. <laughs> and you just, sometimes you might have to give it to them to keep them motivated because they're going to the gym. They're feeling horrible about how they look. Um, they say they're bloated, but like digestion's good. They're having movements all the time. Like bloating is just kind of that buzzword for, can I get what I want? And, and sometimes you do have to pull them back for comfort, but you really have to, you know, explain that your goal is to recover. Like me, Chet, Natalie, we can all give people the best protocol, but if they're so damn stressed out about how they look all the time, or let's say they have work or job stress on top of all that training stress, it all adds up over time. And it's really going to affect your potential growth in the off season, your potential hormonal recovery. So the mental aspect is hard because a lot of people can't do it. I have a post coming that's about you know, what makes this client different from everyone else is the fact that they're able to check in every week in the off season, just like they did in the in season. And I know we can all agree, like those clients that stay with you forever like that, or just, you know, for the long term and don't miss check-ins and they stay on it just as much in the off season. You just love having those clients, you know, and you get to know them better. Everything's super smooth. When someone waits three weeks to send a check-in, you're like, all right, let's back up. And we got a lot of things to look at it. Yeah. What happened, it almost makes the process worse, you know? Yeah, engaging in the off-season. And I think we all agree that the, the, the clients we have for the full year or, you know, just almost like a membership, like year after year after year, you have the off-season, the pre-contest. They always do better because you have better intuitive insight into what's going on with them if they're communicating, as you said, Adam. And I don't want anybody to misunderstand us in that in the off season, you have to be as, as militant with tracking and so forth. I mean, there's still a greater margin for error. You just want to be hitting those markers and know what you're doing. And I'll give you, I'll give you the worst case scenario, but also the silver lining. So one of my clients who is, is a great guy, had all the best intentions. We had a, a phenomenal contest run. He did super well, lifetime best. Um, Life circumstances happen, hunger happens, and pretty soon, a month after the contest ended, he's up 50 pounds. It's like, whoa, okay, you know, we we can't do these five phases now. Like you're 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 heavier than I would have ever liked you to be, period. Like, even if we had a year to get there. But again, you know, the silver lining is, you know, that's that's just the hand we're now dealt. So nutrition isn't the only variable, it goes hand in hand with training. So we still took our time. You can't just go right into the heaviest training as we established earlier, your body has to get used to it. So, you know, he's getting up there, getting up there, getting up there. And instead of now saying, okay, let's diet. I can just say, let's pull back into pretty clean eating. We're going to keep your calories up there. Now we can start moving away from the strength phase. Let's start getting into this anabolic threshold phase where we may throw in a couple months of hypertrophy work, which is increased volume. And, and that calorie expenditure may pull body fat down a little bit, you know, perhaps even just one session of high intensity cardio or something a week, as Adam, you were talking about cholesterol and insulin sensitivity and 
We want our clients to be healthy as well as to look their best. So, you know, that, that, that's, that shows kind of the extreme that I'm trying to pull back and at least gain some semblance of the best off season we can have. But man, if you can take people through those first phases that take advantage of that anabolic surge phase, do some metabolic pulsing where your calories may go up a little bit at a time, up just a little bit at a time, stabilize, you know, you don't have to gain a ton of body fat. I have a client right now, a female who is going to want to, she's going to be an amazing pro, um, you know, is, is going to come, come out of almost nowhere. And we had this off season where we, we got her food intake up incrementally so high. She's at 300 grams of carbs a day, you know, 50, 60 grams of fat. She still has abs. Like she's, and she's strong. She's deadlifting 225 for sets of 10. So then all of a sudden we get to the dieting parts and going through all the phases of pre-contest and we're, we're now as lean as she needs to be. I'm talking like big, full strided glutes almost that we have to be worried that now she's too lean. We only had to lose five or six pounds and I'm already taking her food back up. We went as quote low as 200 grams of carbs and now I've had to start increasing her protein, increasing her fat back, and she's losing even faster. So now we're back to the metabolic building phase where we're creating that upward metabolic pressure. And she's like, Joe, I just like, this is unbelievable. Like I should be hungry. I should be doing all kinds of cardio. I should be suffering. And she said, I feel stronger than ever. Right, and so I'm in, I'm in contest right? shape. But, but, so what's but, going wrong if I feel good? What's, what are we doing wrong? But I look like this and it feels so amazing. What's wrong? Everybody else is miserable. But that all started because we had such a good controlled off season. We yeah. went through these phases right. and it didn't take massive margins of body fat. We could keep her above her metabolic set point, but within striking distance. And, you know, again, like my friend who gained 50 pounds, you know, that happens. We, 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 you don't, you don't strike out every time, but now hopefully that's an impetus to say, okay, now let's do this really well the next time. And let's see what that's like. Cause I'm telling you, man, that's, that's where you see those gains that you can then finally maintain on your way to the stage. Yeah. That, that, Go ahead. <laughs> so that female client you're talking about, she has all of this food she's still taking in and she's already looking stage lean and she's not at the stage yet. But she, and obviously, you know this, I'm talking to everybody out there. She can never get to that point unless she goes through the process to get her calories up as high as she can tolerate within the frame of what we want her to look like. But you need to take the time. Please take the time to get your calories up. When you go and somebody gives you a little bit of money and says you can go and hit the sales at TJ Maxx or something, you don't want to go with $20. You want to go with like $2,000 <laughs> so you can actually get like get something and walk away with it. Well, that's how you get to the stage and you still have some energy. You're not dead and you don't feel like you're literally a corpse walking across the stage. Mm-hmm. It's food first. I, I love the way she breaks things down for women can understand better. You know, we try guys. Dropping metaphors. <laughs> I know. But- I mean, it's real though. It's your budget. Get, <laughs> get as much in that account as you can. Yeah. We had uh, one of our girls last year, second competition at nationals, Mr. Pro car by one or two spots. Fabulous physique. So 
anyway, so this off season, she was going through everything fine. About six weeks in, she took a vacation up to Alaska, came back eight or nine pounds heavier. Okay. And, and that was the net gain. It did not come back down, but she stayed resilient. She stuck to the course for about two months or so. Weight pretty much didn't change. And maybe a calorie increase every three or four weeks, maybe. And then about two months later, started noticing a little pickup. Like, okay, we're getting calories in a little bit more. We go in, into the, the uh, metabolic pulsing phase. And immediately, she started dropping weight. And immediately, I started adding calories in. During those, I'd say about eight, 12 weeks, I think her calories went up. I'm just going off memory here, three or 400 calories. Mm -hmm. And she ended at the end of it about a pound down. Most people gain that much weight right off the bat crap all right you know and then they kind of lose focus they don't commit as much and the situation gets worse and we tell people yeah you really can't go undo what you did but if you just be patient with it your your metabolic rate will catch up you just got more body fat right now so things are going to be slower but it eventually will catch up if she just started prep now which we thought maybe she wouldn't be able to but things went so well calories got up did fantastic in the threshold phase and downshift phase that she's on path this year better than last year. Her rate of loss is fantastic. She's looking really, really good. And we have, you know, a lot of other people who went through the same situation, but really didn't maintain like she did. And we're still fighting, mm -hmm. you know, we're still fighting. So even if you do mess up in the beginning you can correct the course if you just have patience. Your body will eventually catch up. And that's just a one strong point I need to make out there that, again, Absolutely. you don't have to throw the tally in. You don't. Just stick with it. I mean, it's going to tack some additional yes. time on yeah. the end, and that just goes without saying, but it's going to tack a hell of a lot more time on if you throw in the towel and you just go buck wild for a while until somebody finally reigns you in. And then you're like, okay, that stage date never changed that I had my, my eye on. And then I went buck wild. So now I'm going to try and cram all this in and mm -hmm. not have, not have that look that you want on the yeah. stage. Your body can only do so much any stimulus or whatever you give it. You can't force it past a, a certain threshold. Absolutely. Perfect points. So, uh, so Adam, in in your you're again somebody who probably back when I started writing on this topic, you you really jumped in and started referencing them and using them. But just in terms of having the the pre-contest and the off-season components or categories to run clients through, you know, what, what do you think is kind of a last summary that that people should should take advantage of? What's what's the most important part of, of having this kind of a controlled off-season and prep combined? Yeah. This is where all your changes happen. So if you want to take a chance on, you know, who shows up and, you know, not reverse diet or, you know, I see this all the time where coaches get a really good competitor and they compete the whole year. They never even go to nationals and they're just using them as an advertisement and they win, win, win. And then next year comes around. Well, guess what? Their second or third spot in regionals because everyone else started getting better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now you have a bunch of clients and you don't know the dynamics of how to do things in the off season. And I think the other huge component on this is 
you know, not letting that snowball effect happen when you gain a little bit of weight or too much weight, or you feel like things aren't going well. And I think that's the biggest carry away is uh, being able to mentally stay in this because this is when you get better. Um, you're, you know, you're not going to get better during your prep likely, you know, now there are some things that you can do that might, you know, heighten the amount of muscle mass you have and things like that. Uh, you might be able to grow into the show at the end, but you're literally putting yourself in the best position or the best pace for your contest prep coming up. And uh, these are always the clients that get better year after year after year. Um, I had a client just post a same weight transformation with just even a year of us working together. And it's incredible. And all of that's because she reversed. And actually, she wasn't the most consistent client in the world. But I did a lot of telling her it's going to be okay. And uh, I think every check in this year, she's asked me, will I be ready? <laughs> and now here we are like maybe six weeks out and she's finally starting to see it. And, uh, you know, the more you tell us that and the more you kind of bug us and ask us if you're going to be ready. I love that because it lets me know who you are. It lets me know you're kind of wound up a little more anxiously and I probably need to get you to not be that way. And, you know, it's not that I want to change who you are as a person, but I want to change, you know, how hard you are on yourself and can I make this process easier on you? That's why you have us. Mm -hmm. um, what, what I find Adam too, just as a way to close us out, it seems like there's a bifurcation in competitors today where I would say the more mature seasoned ones are taking longer off seasons. They realize this is a, this is a sport that takes a long time and steady improvement. But then a lot of the newcomers want to compete, you know, show after show after show. As soon as they're done with five or six shows one year, they want a two or three month off season and get ready for the next spring. And, you know, I, I get it. They're, they're really hunting for those rankings and those pro cards. But man, like if you don't have that long term mindset, then these phases of both off season and pre contest, they become more critical for those people competing more often because you have to be really, really tight and controlled in what you're doing. But it's more effective if you use them for longer terms. If you have a longer prep and a longer off season, then you can get more out of each of these phases. So, um, you know, all of you guys have just been so instrumental in in helping people understand this. And so, you know, Chet and Natalie, USA Physique, you guys have really done so much as as judges, as coaches. And now being just that voice that says, man, we need better content. We need more of this stuff out there. So, so collaborating with that project on me with, with me, we will put the link to the ebook in the show notes and maybe some graphics, but uh, one last time, I just got to say thanks to Adam as always doing this for years now with me, uh, Chet and Natalie for jumping in with this, this special feature. We hope we can get you guys back sometime. Yeah. Let's get those calories up. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, you know, your, your contest prep university with you two guys together, I still send people to that all the time. 
you know, is it's what do you like at four or five hundred episodes now? You guys are like really up there. Yeah, we're we're getting up there. We yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. So we're sending people to that all the time. Just I mean, it's one of the things that brought us into this in the first place. So both out, keep it up. And always, of course, Joe, we love working with you. We would not be here anywhere close to where we're at today because of you. This guy, I mean, he he's a true wizard. That's all there is to it. You guys are too nice. We're definitely gonna put your your information in the show notes too. So Talk about good resources and the ability just to help clients. We're going we're gonna to make sure we get people over to see you guys at USA Physique. So uh, that's it. We're going to let you guys go. Thanks for another edition of Frat House and Contest Prep University. We'll see you guys next time.